Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. Over 50 million people in the U.S. suffer from allergies, directly impacting our health care economy by over $8 billion due to pharmaceuticals, hospitalizations, missed work days, extra physician visits, etc. Yet, despite its sweeping effect on the population, there is no cure. With the coffin of pollen engulfing us now, and I mean, if you are in the South, it's major. I can go outside with black shoes and come in in five minutes and they are yellow because there's so much pollen. Anyway, so I thought it might be a good idea to look at some remedies to help folks out who suffer from seasonal allergies. Joining us on that journey is Dr. Zachary Rubin, of Oak Brook Allergists. Welcome, Doctor. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, we're so glad to have you here to talk about this misery so many people go through every season. And I'd like to start just in brief. What are seasonal allergies and their symptoms? Absolutely. So first off, when we talk about seasonal allergies, that's a subset of what we call rhinitis, which is symptoms related to itching, stuffy nose. Sometimes you can get post-nasal drip that leads to throat clearing. can also affect your eyes with itchy, scratchy, watery eyes. And that can be due to allergies in the environment that can occur seasonally or even year-round. And sometimes there can be non-allergic triggers such as strong scents, perfumes, odors, whatnot, that can trigger symptoms all the time. Okay, so so right here now, well, overall, but especially here in the South, the, the pollen is off the charts. You know, w- what's going on with this? I, I know it's all over, but the South particularly seems to get hit hard. Yeah, we're, we're seeing that the pollen season has started a little bit earlier in the South this year, and it's now starting to come up here north, Ryan, in Illinois, um, there's a lot of different factors as to why pollen levels have been much higher than in previous years. Unfortunately, every year it's getting worse and worse, and we believe a lot of this has to do with climate change. So there have been some really good studies recently tracking some of our weather changes over the past 50 years, and we're seeing that with higher CO2 levels in the atmosphere, it's leading to more pollen production, especially from plants like ragweed. And with that, with the weather getting warmer, the plants are starting to come out earlier and produce more pollen earlier and for longer periods of time. So the pollen will continue to make more plants, more plants make more pollen. It's a compounding problem that makes it very difficult for people, and a lot of people are developing more and more allergies to the point that at least one out of every five American has some form of seasonal allergies at this point. It's quite common and uh, very debilitating for people. That's very interesting because, you know, I never had allergies and now I struggle, especially, you know, with my eyes. That seems to be really bad for me. So I want to talk about 
different things folks can seek out for help. And um, there's a variety of remedies. So let's break it down little by little and start with things along the lines of nasal sprays, skin creams, and eye drops. Absolutely. So it's really helpful for people to understand, first off, whether they actually have something that's an allergic trigger or not. So going to a local allergist to get skin testing to see what their environmental profile is can help really target what types of treatments are best because there's pills like antihistamines that may help people with allergies, but a lot of folks would actually benefit from nasal sprays that contain a very tiny amount of steroid that if you use it every day for multiple weeks, it can help decrease the swelling in the nose and in effect actually helps treat eye symptoms as well. So there's various over-the-counter eye drops that can be used and some that your doctor may prescribe you. Those can be helpful for eye symptoms, but uh, what people may not understand is that the nasal sprays actually can treat both the nose and eyes as well. And there's various over-the-counter nasal sprays, but also ones that are prescription as well. Um, If you have issues with itching, then different skin creams that can help prevent dryness may be helpful, but typically we focus on the antihistamines, the nasal sprays, and eye drops to help people with their allergy symptoms. Now, I'm going to throw in a thing here because I've heard, you know, if you have these allergies, and for some people they're almost year-round, and I've heard a lot of things about don't use nasal sprays too long or eye drops too long because that could be an, uh, another problem that develops for you over use of them. What are your thoughts on that? So there are some concerns about using nasal sprays for every day of the year, you know, for years on end. That's because there's a theoretical risk that you can develop cataracts if you use it for too long because it is a steroid that is a tiny amount, but it's not systemically absorbed. So there's not prolonged problems with sugar levels or growth uh, or bone uh, issues. It's just that because it's locally absorbed in the nose, there may be a little bit of that that could get into the eye as well that could theoretically cause that problem. But I've actually not seen that in my practice. It's, It's a rare phenomenon and one that we can help people get off of nasal sprays in time um, if we consider some other therapies such as immunotherapy or allergy shots, as an example. Um, some people believe that antihistamines may be outgrown, and that effect doesn't necessarily pan out in the long run, actually. Okay, that's good to know. Now, what about allergy drops and tablets? That's a great question. So, In Europe, it's really popular to give people a tablet for a specific allergen to take every day during a specific pollen allergy season to help minimize symptoms as much as possible. And that works well for people who are allergic to only one type of issue. So, for example, if you have problems with ragweed pollen that occurs in the late summer and into the fall, you can take a tablet every single day that'll help train your immune system in the short term to be less reactive to it. However, in the United States, most people are allergic to not just one type of pollen, but multiple types from grasses and trees and weed pollen um, or, or dust mite or animals. And so when you have multiple allergens involved, that type of therapy is not as effective as it could be. Hmm. 
Okay. Now you mentioned this before, and I know I know this is big. So let's talk about um, immunotherapy. So immunotherapy, or what people usually call as allergy shots, is where we make up a serum of the different types of pollens and other allergens that one might be allergic to. And that's something that we introduce in the very top layer of the skin, starting once a week and slowly increasing the dose so that the immune system becomes trained and uh, does not recognize these things as being so bothersome and, and amount that type of response that creates the allergy symptoms. So it does take some time for it to work, generally about 6 to 12 months before you see a significant benefit from it. But then we can start spacing out those injections from weekly all the way down to once a month so that your symptoms are significantly improved and the amount of medicine that you're using is minimized over time. And what's remarkable about this therapy is the fact that when you stop it after several years, you likely will have prolonged uh, benefit from it for many years after that, which is a really, really beneficial therapy for people who have tried a lot of medications, who have tried allergen avoidance, and things are just not quite working for them. Well, you touched on uh, the benefit of that, and, and I wanted to kind of the things that we've just talked about realize some of the pros and cons of these different treatments. Can you help us with that? Yeah. So in terms of these different types of therapies, when we talk about medicines in general, most people would prefer not to take a lot of medicine um, to begin with. And, and I understand that it, it's, it's costly, it's um, time-consuming, and sometimes unpleasant uh, to do all of those things. Quite often, antihistamines may make people tired, as an example or a nasal spray may dry out the nose and occasionally cause a nosebleed, as an example. Um, the drops in the tablets can cause itching in the mouth. Um, the shots may cause a rash that can be quite irritating, and in very rare instances can lead to a severe allergic reaction since we're getting something that you're allergic to to help treat it. Um, so there, there are risks to any of these types of therapies, whether it's medicines or shots, as an example. But a lot of this has to come down to convenience, too, of you know, how much medicine you want to try to take. So with the allergy injections, after a prolonged period of doing them, you start to minimize the amount of medicine that you take. That maybe you need an injection once a month. That's 12 shots with minimal medicine. Um, that can be a convenience for some people. But we do ask folks to wait 20 to 30 minutes after the injections just to make sure that there's no systemic or severe allergic reaction that occurs. So there's definitely a balance between the, the benefits and the risks for any type of procedure, whether that's an allergy or any other form of medicine. Mm, that's very true. The, uh, the other one, though, that you mentioned, the therapy, I was kind of thrown there a little bit because you said it takes a certain amount of months to become active. And so would the thought there be get it before the actual seasonal allergies start so that it can be kind of up and running in your system when the time comes? Right, absolutely. So because it can take about anywhere from 6 to 12 months to be effective, generally when you get your first evaluation, you figure out what you're allergic to. If it's seasonal, you may want to try to start it out of season so that by the time the next season rolls around, you'll start seeing some benefits uh, from it. Typically, when you're doing it during your pollen allergy season, you may run the risk of having more rashes or more 
irritating symptoms. So some allergists like to slow down the progression during that time to help prevent some of those uh, irritating symptoms. Okay, so we, we've covered a lot of medical-type um, treatments, and there's so many natural remedies out there. And what I'd like to do is just run a few by you and get your thoughts on whether you think they're worthwhile, do they really work, or do they at least help a little bit, or, you know, put this with medication, whatever your thoughts are, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to start with the neti pot saline rinse. So the neti pot is one form of a saline rinse where it helps you rinse your nose out. And there's different forms. So the neti pot uses gravity to help rinse out your sinuses. Um, there's also rinse bottles like the Neil Med bottle as an example. And I actually am a firm believer in this type of non-medical treatment because when I prescribe a nasal spray, that uh, needs to go onto the nasal tissues, if you already have a runny, stuffy, itchy nose and you're putting medicine on snot or mucus, it's not going to get to the actual tissue that you need. So if you use that and rinse your nose first and then put the medicine in your nose, it works much more efficiently than without using it. It's also very helpful for people who are starting to develop sinus infections really to clear out that mucus. So it's, it's a very worthwhile uh, treatment to use that does not require a medicine to start. Tell folks what it is, just in case they're not familiar with a neti pot. So the neti pot is like a literally a little teapot that you can put in distilled water and mix a salt packet to make a salt water or saline rinse. And that's a type of device where you have to use gravity where you tilt your head and you'll pour that liquid to go from one nostril and then through the other. And when you blow your nose, a lot of mucus can come out. Or the other type of device um, that's more of a squeeze bottle, you just use your own pressure to generate the force of washing your nasal cavities. Okay. Now, what about probiotics? So probiotics are a type of uh, intervention where we're giving a subset of bacteria that are seen to be healthy for the gut. And there's all sorts of different diseases that it's being tried for to help prevent symptoms or to minimize symptoms, especially for gastrointestinal diseases and overall gut health. Um, Unfortunately, at this time, there's really no scientific evidence to using probiotics for seasonal allergy symptoms. Um, There is some discussion about whether using that to help prevent allergies from developing to begin with because we realize that our gut needs to be healthy. There are good bacteria and bad bacteria. We want to have good bacteria in our health to help digest food, and that may help prevent certain types of allergies, but there's still a lot that needs to be done in figuring out if this is actually a scientifically proven type of intervention. Okay, and I know some people are big on omega-3. Yeah, omega-3s are used for all sorts of different types of ailments, but there's no evidence for that to be helpful for seasonal allergies. Okay. What about local honey? This is a big one for people. It is a big one for people. People come to me all the time asking about this because there's this belief that honey has pollen from the area and that if you eat local honey on a regular basis, that that in effect does that type of immunotherapy that I was telling you about earlier. The problem with this type of um, 
local remedy is that the pollen that's actually on honey is not the pollen that you're typically allergic to. So bees, when they pollinate, they're looking at the really pretty plants, and that's the heavy type of pollen that doesn't really get into the air that much. And so what you're really allergic to are to these plants that are considered ugly. So, for example, ragweed is not really a pleasant plant to look at, Mm -hmm. and its pollen gets wind-pollinated, meaning those, those spores, those protein particles that end up making plants, they get blown all over the place for hundreds of miles in large quantities. That's how you get allergic to something. When you go up to smell the roses, so to speak, you're not allergic to roses, actually. You may feel a little irritated smelling it just from the direct fragrance, but that's not actually truly an allergy. So the honey that has it doesn't have really that that allergic type of pollen in it, so it doesn't really provide much benefit. Sure tastes good, though. <laughs> Absolutely does. Uh, you know, so so these symptoms that you've you've mentioned, and you know, the problem is for some folks now. And this is just kind of an aside. A lot of because they so mimic COVID nineteen symptoms, more and more people are going and getting tested for COVID, even though they are just you know having you know these these allergic reactions rather than COVID nineteen. Is there anything that you would would point out where someone might not run every week to a COVID test because they've got running nose, sore throat, itchy eyes, all these symptoms. Is is there something to determine a little better for folks so that they don't be so afraid that they have COVID as opposed to allergies? Right. Here's the problem. Most of the symptoms actually overlap. So it is difficult to determine whether or not it's COVID or allergies. Uh, one of the distinguishing factors is fever. Even though seasonal allergies can be called hay fever, you actually cannot get fever from allergies. So if you have a fever, you should highly suspect that COVID may be present. But when it comes to a runny, stuffy, itchy nose, those symptoms can potentially be seen with COVID. So it's it's a very difficult issue to kind of tease out. Itch may be a little bit more common in allergies, but uh, COVID can have that as well which is what presents the challenge. Like I mentioned, fever is really what helps distinguish between the two. So anything new on the horizon when it comes to the treatment of seasonal allergies? So there's not a ton that is imminent. Um, We are trying to learn more and more about the mechanisms of seasonal allergy. Um, And as we learn more about that, uh, there are a lot of newer medications that help with other types of allergic disease, like asthma and eczema and chronic sinus disease that use something called biologics. These are usually injectable medicines but are now becoming oral medicines that take a part of your immune system and kind of turn it off like a light switch. And when we figure out more of the mechanisms behind seasonal allergies, we may be able to apply that type of technology to help prevent a lot of these symptoms and to make some significant benefits. That would be outside of the injections. But at this time, there's not um, a whole lot that's really new. Um, unfortunately, with like I was mentioning in the beginning of the episode, is that with climate change, there's going to be more and more problems with pollen allergy in the future. And if we can focus on getting the carbon emissions under control, that's going to also help um, everybody in the long term. 
Well, that sounds hopeful. At least there's there's something, <laughs> a possibility. We'll take it. We'll take it. So do you ever see a cure for allergies, a straight-up cure? You know, I, I do because if we look at this pandemic right now, we put a lot of time and resources into developing a safe and highly effective COVID vaccine. And it really proves to everybody that if we can get the right resources, the time, the effort, and the minds put together, we can pretty much accomplish anything. And I believe that would be the case for seasonal allergies as well. I I think I can hear a collective awe or sigh of relief with you saying that. Hope hope for folks. So that's great. Well, doctor, thank you so much for being with us today. Is there a website that you would like to give out so folks needed more information or other resources that they could go to? Sure. Um, They can feel free to go to my practice's website. It's uh, www.oakbrookallergist.com. We have a lot of resources on our website. Um, from a national level, there's the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, as well as the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Um, so those are the AAAAI and the ACAAI, which you can Google as well. Um, so there's a lot of resources out there. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so very much. Thank you for all the help you're giving to these poor folks with these allergies. And, you know, uh, just have a great day and keep taking care of those patients. Thank you. And thanks again for having me. Take care. So I want to throw in a few common sense steps to fight out, uh, fight off this pollen script that we're in. Common sense. Keep windows closed during pollen season, especially during the day. Common sense, stay inside during midday and afternoon hours when pollen counts are highest. And take a shower, wash your hair, and change clothing after working or playing outdoors. And a few other asides when it comes to pollen. A single grain of pollen can cause damage to your car's paint job. Pollen has high acidity and erodes paint. When a grain of pollen manages to land in one of the tiny spores in your car's paint, it begins to wear it down. This can lead to uh, staining and early oxidation of the paint. So wash and wax your car more often during this season for a layer of protection. Now, I saw this too I wanted to pass on. For screened-in porches, they recommend hanging drapes or shades over the screens. Some of these look nice with the long white drapes flowing in the breeze. Maybe it make it a little bit livable for you to go on your screened-in porch. And for those cushions on the porch, uh, I saw this. You put them in a big black garbage bag, seal it except for the size of a vacuum nozzle hole, and then put the vacuum in there and kind of nozzle out, vacuum out all that pollen. And if all all else fails, <laughs> change your color scheme to yellow. I mean, wow, it's like <laughs> there's only so much we can do. Now time for our nonprofit spotlight. And according to their website, the Poe Center is a nonprofit organization dedicated to positively impacting the lives of North Carolina youth through health education. 
Since opening in Raleigh in 1991, the Poll Center has educated more than oh, over a million participants from 93 counties using innovative teaching, theaters, exhibits, and off-site programs. By engaging in fun, highly interactive lessons, preschoolers through 12th graders receive information that follows the NCDPI essential standards for healthful living education on a variety of health topics, including nutrition, dental health, general health, family life, and substance use prevention. To volunteer or donate, visit poehealth.org. Poe, that's P-O-E, health.org. Well, it's time to high-five and say goodbye. Keep listening here or at our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com, to hear experts address all kinds of topics like how to overcome the fear of public speaking, how to say no to your boss, friends, family, or how to rid yourself of the fear of failure. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 be perceptive.